Have you ever been in that season of life where all the boxes are checked? You feel like you've done that. Yeah, I've tried that. Yeah, that's worked. That happened. That is done. And yet there's this sense of void. There's this sense or lack of sense of true worth and accomplishment. Are you kicking tires like today's podcast guest Jesse Bradley was doing, looking for evidence of this goodness, of this greatness, of this Jesus? Well, at some point, as it has for myself and for Jesse, something happens. And I cannot wait to find out what that something that perhaps already happened or will happen, what that looks like for you. But today, I encourage you to tune in. I encourage you to actively listen. I encourage you to go on this experience and this journey of freedom that Jesse unlocks us to and ultimately gives us a key. And that key is hope. And maybe you've heard this concept before and hope feels hopeless. Maybe you haven't held on to it like he has in his season of almost dying. So maybe you don't know who Jesse Bradley is at all. And maybe you don't know this concept of hope without limits. Hope with no limits. Well, today you're going to get an incredible introduction. And I cannot wait for you to tell us your story. The moment when everything changed. And you have the opportunity to anchor your life into hope like he has. Jesse was a treat, and I know it's going to be just that for you as well. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, subscribe, review, do the things, share this, share us, tag it. Tag both of us, Fit and Faith Podcast, Tamara Andress, Jesse Bradley. We're here to serve, and we're so grateful that you're willing to share. This is your God Wink. The moment that heaven says, for such a time as this, it's time to own your joy, prioritize your health, discover your wealth, and exude your wholeness. It's time to become truly fit. However, this isn't a fitness podcast, though I'm a retired personal trainer and nutritionist. This isn't business jargon or tips and tricks to landing your successful passion project, though that's totally why I'm a business coach. This isn't a quick fix health detox ploy, though I'm all for therapy and I love Whole Foods. I do have a YOLO side sweet tooth, though. This isn't confusing religious banter, though I'm an ordained minister still figuring out the many things and facets and faces of Jesus. It's really none of that. So I'm wondering, if you're wondering, what is this? Well... This is an opportunity to join me alongside other big dreamers, innovative movers, and lifestyle shakers as we explore and share our messy comeback stories and discoveries with each of you fellow passionate seekers. The Fit and Faith movement was birthed through my own trial and error discovery of mind, body, and soul alignment, and to be totally transparent, my own entrepreneurial crash and burn experiences. I've learned firsthand that being fit isn't about our physique at all. It's not about our qualifying abilities or titles. It's not about our potential. It's truly about our God-gifted passions meeting our purpose. You are one step away from achieving your idea, your dream, your calling, your purpose, whatever you want to call it. And I want to be there for the moment that you say yes in freedom, clarity, and confidence that you are living fully fit in who and whose you were made to be. 
Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast with me, Tamara Andress. There is no better time than now to get fit. All right, all right. Hope with no limits hashtag. I am new to this information and now I should have renamed the podcast this because I love <laughs> that message. Jesse, we're so excited to have you at Fit and Faith Podcast today. Thanks for being here. Tamara, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate your creativity. You're vibrant, very authentic, and looking forward to this conversation. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I think vibrancy is is something we all have access to and we are all vibrant in our own ways. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh, because you're an extrovert, you appear this specific way. But it's not it's not extrovert versus introvert. It's all created by an ultimate creator who is vibrant. Look at the rainbow. That's why my brand is rainbow. Yes. And when it's healthy on the inside, it just overflows into relationships, attitude, words. You can see it. You don't miss the fruit. Oh, man, you are uh, speaking my language right there. And that's literally really where this podcast all emerged from. So I don't know if you knew the backstory of the Fit and Faith podcast is all about teaching people that mind, body, soul alignment piece, um, that spiritual spiritual connection uh, happens when we're in pursuit of our wholeness in the way that God would have us do, honoring him mentally, physically, spiritually. So um, we're going to dive into your conversation, but I, I think that there's definitely something to be said for that, that you just dropped it without knowing. Yes, excellent. And I'm so glad you have your podcast on that topic because it's not something you always learn in school. Sometimes in the home, you didn't learn it from parents. And so we don't know where to turn. The inside story is the most important story. And I hope that this conversation is inspiring for people. I totally agree with that. And I don't know that, I mean, I've had a lot of guests on here. I've had a lot of reading and learning, and I've never really heard it from that phraseology that the inside story is the only story. Um, I really love that because I think a lot of people do, especially nowadays, look on the exterior, um, the glitz, glam, right? Even the color, the branding, all of those things. And they're like, oh, she's got it going on. And it's like, well, let me tell you about my my brokenness. Let me tell you about the healing. Let me tell you about what has happened in trans inspired from the inside out. So that way you understand why I have rainbow as the promise of God, the reminder that every single day when I get to work, when I get to show up in creativity, it's because of the brokenness and the dark places that I once was that God got a hold of me. That's right. And it's the why. Why do you have all this? And opening up and inviting people into the pain, the disappointment, the loneliness that we all experience. And then where's the hope in the middle of that? And how do you walk through that hope? What's a practical roadmap for that hope? Or what's the next step for that hope? But the hope is real. And like you said, it's available to everyone. Well, I'm super excited and I hope all of my listeners are have a pen and paper because I feel like you're going to give us that roadmap and I'm pretty excited about it. Already knowing a bit of your story, I want you to be able to share it with my community. So let's dive in wherever you feel called to, to speak to first. Um, but I definitely want to get to your backstory and how you are where you are today. Yeah, I go back to being a child in, I grew up in Minnesota, freezing cold Minnesota, but I enjoyed it. It was a great place to grow up. But one key turning point early in my life is when my parents got divorced and their final day together was the day after my birthday and the tension was so real. And as a young child, age seven, watching that happen, I'll never forget my dad leaving the front door and then just wondering what's left. The two pillars of my life are no longer intact. They're never going to be together again. And as a child, I just felt like it was out of my control. I felt kind of hopeless, kind of helpless. 
and it's not what I wanted. So how was I going to adjust in life? And I believe that even early on, we have different coping mechanisms for how we handle the pain and the difficulty. And my approach was to dive into academics and athletics and so much joy playing sports and then also working really hard in school. And that was in addition to friends and having a you know pretty active social life, I thought that was kind of the full picture. And I ended up going to Dartmouth College in New Hampshire on the East Coast. And again, it was a great school. Our soccer team won the Ivy League title twice. And I was in a fraternity my freshman year, had a lot of friends. And I just couldn't figure out if all the boxes I thought would bring me happiness and fulfillment. And I was checking all those boxes, like everything I wanted, it felt like it was there. Why doesn't, going back to my inside story, why doesn't my inside story feel better? And I had no idea what any solution would even be, but I just knew things weren't quite right on the inside. Something was missing at that point. That's so interesting. And I I think I refer to this as like your mirror moment. It's like you're doing all these things throughout the day and oftentimes, especially in achievement or suppression, even in suppression, we can also use things in achievement to suppress. So things like sports and the accolades and the titles and I've got all these friends and it's almost like noise being added to our actual inside self, those emotions, Um, even at that point a lot of things are loud. I'm thinking of like being on the soccer field, which is one of the sports that you like are so attuned to and, and got to play professionally. It's it's loud there, right? It's loud on the yes. field as much as it's loud in the audience. And when there's all of the loudness, you can't even hear the voice of God. So when you get to the mirror at the end of the day, or sometimes the beginning of the day is, is really when it's most quiet. And um, I avoided that, that so much. I, I avoided it when it came to the listening to what was happening, not only yes. with my self-talk, but with God talking to me. Um, and so what was like that transition point for you? Yeah, that's so good. Listening and being in tune with what's happening on the inside and not trying to deny, deny or stuff. And without even realizing it, I unintentionally, like many people do, fell into really a trap of my identity being tied to performance. And that was true academically. It was true in sports. And that's so easy for an athlete to do. And as a goalkeeper, there's a lot of pressure in soccer because one mistake could be one goal. And so, you know, I was at each level, I was more and more intense and focused But again, what was really happening on the inside? And I took a class, it was the Introduction to World Religions, and it was at Dartmouth, I wasn't seeking God. Now in my family growing up, I would say we're like Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors. We've got a little bit of everything, agnostic, atheist, Jewish, (laughs) rabbi, Catholic, (laughs) ex-Catholic, there's a little bit of everything going on. And I took this class and it was the first time I ever read the Bible or had any interest in God. And the professor kind of undermined the Bible, but I read the Gospel of John. I started to read about Jesus, and it was a life I had never seen before. It was a love I had never really experienced before. And I was so curious, I started asking literally hundreds of questions. It was the first Christian I ever had a relationship with in terms of a friendship, and he was on my dorm floor on the track team. He was a quiet guy, really mellow, low-key, but I could see something was different and it was real. And I just started to ask him questions and we had conversations. I think it's important for everyone to have a safe place, you know, where you can read, a safe place where you can think, a safe place where you can ask questions. And I was kicking the tires, basically to use a metaphor. I wanted to know what's real, what's the evidence. 
I mean, if you make a decision with faith, that's your most important decision in your life. I mean, you're really, it's your whole being, it's your core, it's your soul. And I wanted to know that this isn't blind faith. This isn't weird faith. This is, I got to have something solid. And so learning about God, learning about Jesus, I understood foundationally, okay, there's a real God who loves me. And, and I didn't believe that growing up. And so that was a new kind of opening. And sometimes we need to open our minds when there's new evidence. It's like, all right, my old paradigm doesn't fit because I'm getting some new evidence here and God loves me. Then it was clear that, yes, I've sinned against God. But what does that word sin mean? It means missing the mark or I've fallen short of his standards. We all have, right? There's not shame and guilt, just the reality that I'm not perfect. I can own that. And I need forgiveness if I'm going to connect with the holy God. And that here's the key for me. It's what turned things around. It's grace. Grace is an undeserved gift. And as I looked at different religions, it was like there's so much striving and performing. I'm like, that's what I've been doing my whole life. Like, I don't I can't chase after a God that's perfect, that I need to perform. I need to earn his love like that's never going to work. And so this message of grace that he loves us, he wants a relationship, he knows us, he sees our worst and still likes us, loves us. And it was like, okay, now my heart's starting to open up and I got a taste that maybe God is good and maybe there's some hope here. And I eventually decided to put my trust in Jesus. And I'll just tell you, there's a song that entered on the inside that was never there before and wouldn't turn off. And I would just walk around. I didn't need to be in church. In fact, I never went to church at that point. I just knew this Jesus loves me. And I'm just singing on the inside. And now things like sports and my social life and academics, they're all like falling into place in their proper perspective because they're not dominant in my life. They're not defining my identity. And now I'm accepted and secure and it just shifted everything for me. And I started to, to see the world different, love people more. Uh, I was kind of biting and would tear people down. All of a sudden, that just wasn't there as much. I, like I still appreciate sarcasm and clever <laughs> yeah, people, sure. but it just wasn't the same. Like I wasn't judging and just tearing down and criticizing the same way. It was like, I just was able to forgive people I never forgave before. And things were changing in my heart that I didn't plan, but it was this relationship and this overflow that started to happen. Wow. That's so incredible. Interestingly, in my school, um, I went to JMU in Virginia and I took a Unitarian class and it was a world religion class as well my freshman year. And um, everyone that I grew up around, I had um, part part of my family uh, practicing Judaism and then part loosely practicing Christianity. They believed in God and that was pretty much it. We, we said nightly prayers when we were little and that was pretty much it. And mm-hmm. so um, when I went into this and knowing so much so that we know that public education as a whole has a, um, how should I say this nicely? Uh, secularized lens on, sure. on faith and secularized lens on our identity. And so mm-hmm. I took this class and, and I had to go to the mosque and I had to go to the synagogue and I had to go to all of these different places. As I practice and learned about religion, we had to go and actually partake in their services. And one of the huge things that um, really spoke to me in that was this discrimination against women in their different churches, uh, some of which I had to you know, wear and cover up my entire body and other than my mm-hmm. eyes showing, some of which you weren't even allowed to worship next to the men. You actually had to be behind a closed wall and you couldn't mm-hmm. even see what was up on stage. You had to sit in a specific position the entire time, super uncomfortable. 
couldn't yeah. wear shoes. There was all these different things. Um, and so I was actually pretty far from God at that point in my life. And um, I always held close to the fact that if there was anything that was true, it would be Christianity. If I was to lean into faith, it would be in God. And um, it wasn't until years later where I really came to know myself through the lens of the father. Um, and he actually got a hold of me to the point that it sounds like he got a hold of you. And yeah. it's so true that you say that like the other parts of your life kind of seamlessly fall into place. And I think a lot of times, even with soccer being a really great, simple example, is this knowing that you used to chase it for the accolade, for the title, for the friends, perhaps um, even for the athleticism. And it's not to say that he doesn't use it. He actually uses it and catapults you into it more like profoundly, in fact. Um, and he does it because he uses all things for good. Um, and I'm sure at that point you everyone's seeing this differentness in you and, and you actually having a change of heart, a change of mind, which is ultimately what repentance is about. Repentance yes. sounds like a really scary thought, but it's just, it's just changing your mind. God just comes in and he just changes your mind towards that forgiveness ideation, towards that ability to speak life in, with your tongue instead of death. And were people on your team, were you able to witness to people on your team with that new alignment and sense of self? Right. I like that explanation of repentance because it is. It's refreshing. It's positive. It's a 180 degree change. And so many people during COVID, too, just sense they need a restart. They need a reset. They need a new traje trajectory, new direction. And that's what I started to experience. And on the soccer team, I started to have a time of prayer before the games. And then other players wanted to join me. And I noticed during those times of prayer, it was like I was connected to God and there's great freedom. I believe in a relationship with God, there's great freedom. And all of a sudden, I was more free. There was less pressure on myself. Sports, in some ways, became a little bit of a burden because, you know, we wanted to win the NCAA tournament. We made it to the final eight. But, you know, each game, it's like more pressure. And when I pray, and then I would come out of prayer, it was like, no, I prayed I'd have quick reflexes. I prayed I'd communicate well. Let's go play and enjoy the game. And that was so freeing. And, you know, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And you mentioned church settings. And there should be freedom to cry, freedom to be yourself, freedom to lift up your hands. There's just a lot of joy. You mentioned, you know, in terms of women, Jesus elevated women when he was alive. He brought them up. Sadly, they were seen as second class. And he said, no, they're not second class. And when his resurrection happened, the first people that experienced Jesus and the first people he appeared to were women. And that's so countercultural. So when you read the Bible, you just see how Jesus views the world. And that starts to renew our minds and change how we view the world. And I would go to the same part I went to before, but I wouldn't drink because I felt like I don't even need to. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to have a drink, you know, at a gathering, but for me, I just had joy. And it's like, what's happening? You're at the party, you're dancing, you're having fun, you're meeting people, and you don't even need to drink? Like, no, I have this new source of joy, and I don't need to search for a bottle to have joy. Like, I've just got this joy that you can't take away. And that started to um, just change so many different things in my life. And with soccer, you know, I, I did still have that passion and that passion didn't disappear. In fact, it kept growing. And so I was able to play on some different teams. There was a team in Minnesota. We went to Scotland and then Zimbabwe is where I played after college in, in a team there in Bulawayo called the Highlanders Football Club and loved being in Africa. You know, my career ended tragically and, you know, we, we could dive into that maybe too, but uh, I would just say it was a prayerful decision to go to Africa and going there. It was the first time I had seen poverty firsthand. Uh, it was the first time I've seen AIDS. 
Uh, there was a drought there. I just never seen those conditions. And yet the people there were so generous, so hospitable, just so glad that we were there. And I learned so much from them and they had so little, but they were so thankful. And I started to realize like gratitude isn't about how much is in your bank account or how big your house is. Gratitude's a choice. And they would sing, they had gratitude, they would smile, laugh, they had great relationships in the middle of a situation that I'd never experienced before in terms of some of those conditions. So I was learning so much in Africa and it was uh, wonderful to go and play there too. I love that. I actually have such a passion for travel, so much so that I infuse it into my business so that I could do it as often as yes. I want. And I think a lot of people forget that when you're like starting a business or you're choosing a career, you're choosing it for one area of your life. But there are so many passions that you have. Try to stroke all of those into the place that you are and the place that you exist. And so I will take women outside of their comfort zone to places they've never been in order for them to get that shape, to get that reminder of, of truly one human humanity and what other people are experiencing and what we think is like so tragic. Think about what they're experiencing, what actual hunger really feels like it. I, if I intermittent fast and it's like 1.30, I'm like, I'm starving. No, you're not. You're actually not starving, right? right. And, and you're actually not cold. I did not live in Minnesota. So mm, I even don't even know true. what that is, right? So getting people outside of their comfort zones allows you not only to see and be gracious and grateful, but also allows you to have a further empathy for other people. And I think that's what literally Jesus did when he was having the disciples follow them and they were going to different cities and seeing how different people were living and what their needs were and, and experiencing a leper and experiencing seeing a lame man and all of the things that he did. Um, really love that you had that experience. And I'm sure it plays in a lot to who you are today. But I know that there's another component to Africa. And I'd love for you to share because I'm, yes. so, I'm curious selfishly. <laughs> I'm curious right what on, happens right next. <laughs> yes. I love how you said it, though. God loves everyone in the world. There's going to be people from every nation, tub and tongue and tribe in heaven. And also we're all equal. And sometimes it's easy for me growing up in America to think, oh, the other countries aren't as important or I don't care as much about them. And by going to Africa, my heart just opened up and broke and just the connection that happened there. And it's a good reminder that we need to look out for each other. We need to respect each other. We need to pray for each other. We need to be generous as well. We've been given so much in America. And I believe that when you receive a lot, there's a responsibility to bless the other nations as well. But yeah, in Africa, something happened unexpected. And that was, uh, well, first of all, I took a prescribed medication to prevent malaria. And I took it every week. And then over the course of many months, over the course of a season, it built up toxic levels in my system. And I was a professional athlete who started to notice that my body was shutting down. I started to have migraine headaches and I never have those, but I couldn't handle light. I couldn't handle noise. I started to have sweats and chills, crazy dreams. Emotionally, I had an equilibrium before that that was very altered. And now I started to experience panic attacks. I started to experience depression, waves of it, double vision. And the most serious physical symptom was with my heart. And the blockers uh, in my heart were inhibited. And that's what the drug does. So heart regulation, heart rhythm is now thrown off. I would start uh, basically tachycardia 160 beats a minute and it would just come out of the blue. And just when I'm sitting down, 160 beats a minute, that's people at their peak exercise yeah, level. Absolutely. And I'm just sitting down, atrial flutter was another abnormality. Mm -hmm. It would skip beats. And so the rhythm was off. You could just, I could feel it skipping beats all the time, a flutter. I had pain in the left side of my chest during the day, during the night. 
and I was fighting for my life for a year. The doctors in Africa sent me back home because they saw my health was deteriorating and I started to pay out of pocket to see different specialists. And there's a doctor at Stanford who said that uh, there's 10 things this could be. And he listed all 10. No one had ever mentioned the drug before, but he mentioned it. And I just knew at that point, that's what's happening. Now, here's where I think prayer steps in because there's things that happen in life where we need wisdom beyond just our own thoughts. And sometimes even advice from other people isn't spot on. And the doctors were saying I should keep taking the drug for another month as prescribed because they didn't want me to get malaria on top of this. Malaria can be latent and you need the drug to prevent malaria even a month after you return. But inside, I sensed, no, through prayer, it's the drug that's the problem and I can't take it. I can't take any more. And we had my blood sent to the center of disease control and then results came back. They confirmed toxic levels in my system. If I would have kept taking the drug for another month, I probably would have died. And yet the doctors and even friends, family were saying, you need to take the drug. So I go back to that decision, which took a lot of courage and felt a little crazy. But after all, looking back, it's like, I'm grateful to be alive. And uh, it was 10 years. Uh, it's a long story, but 10 years to fully recover. The first year was the most intense but the symptoms, it's a long recovery. And I learned so many wonderful things. I, I would never wanna go through that you know, for a minute, but I learned things about habits and mindset and uh, relationships, my purpose. So many things changed in my life, even my identity. Uh, so many things changed during that recovery. And, and I'll say this to encourage anyone that's going through a hard time right now, I believe that God does his greatest work in the most difficult times. And I believe in grace that some of the greatest experiences in our life come out of the worst circumstances. And so I don't think, you know, I would change my story. I had an opportunity to play in England, you know, but I went to Africa and I'd say, well, going to England, maybe I wouldn't have received all this, you know, side effects, illness. Maybe I would have had a long playing career. Maybe I, but I'm not going to go back with regret or second guess. Instead, part of my journey and this is what I believe is we learn the most in those valleys. We grow the most in the valley. And ultimately, that's where we can then become part of the healing process for other people. And if I didn't go through what I went through, I wouldn't have the same passion to connect with people and build people up and love people like that. I just know what I was like before and I know what I was like after. And uh, a lot of things changed in my life. Yeah. And I always think, you know, when you're in the midst of it, you're like, this is terrible. And you're like pleading for God to take it away and yes. you're pleading for it to just be over. And yes. it's okay if I have to go through it, but just make it happen really, really, really fast, supersonic, like miracle working time so That's that right. the, I can be beyond this. But like you said, in that 10 years, there was an entire process. There was an equipping process that was taking place because he knows now and you know now what's always hindsight 2020 that there are so many pieces of your story that connect with other people based on the things and the trials and the tribulations that you went through and i i'm no different and i i honestly think everybody they wouldn't they're you know they say the grass is greener but when you actually listen to somebody else's testimony you're like do you want to trade there's mm -hmm. often very very rarely have i ever heard somebody say yeah let's switch there's mm. always something that's really, really hard that we've been through. And I would never yes. want somebody else to go through it. Same probably for you. But I also don't want to trade that I had a 10-year battle with my health. Like, no thanks. That's right. Yeah. Right. That's so true. 
All right, I know, I know commercials are the worst, but this one you cannot skip over. Listen really quick. If you are a kingdom leader, visionary, creator, influencer, or entrepreneur, this is not only an opportunity for you to come together with like-hearted and like-minded people. It's also an opportunity to discover, design, and deploy your business from the inside out. To have a place of confidence, clarity, and conviction in your calling, the Kingdom Clubhouse Conference is happening in Norfolk, Virginia on September 30th for all of you VIPs. I know you want the extra access. Come on September 30th. That also includes all of your hotel stay. So that's incredible. But if you want to just be here and experience the fullness of every keynote speaker, every artist on October 1st and October 2nd, whether in person or virtual, of course, nowadays, everything is offered virtual. So this is a hybrid experience. But I can assure you, if you are in the comfort of your own home tuning into this, the same exact transformation is going to occur because we are coming into the screens. We are coming into your homes with the heart of heaven. And I cannot wait for you to have access to it. Go to kingdom-clubhouse.com. That's it. Kingdom-clubhouse.com and have the transformation before we even get activated with these people who are coming together to serve you in such a unique way. We have artists and speakers from across the nation with millions and millions of followers and millions of millions of dollars that are going to help activate you with truth through your identity, through your being and your brand and your business. Come on, y'all do it right now. Kingdom-clubhouse.com. Even if you want to pause the podcast, that's okay. No, just kidding. Keep going. Keep going. The podcast is so good. And for me, one shift, you know, in terms of identity is that going back to, you know, where do we find it? Is it through performance? I was struggling with who am I? Because with all these things gone, my health gone, the career gone, friends weren't around, you know, my income, what's up? Who am I still? And what I had to shift is instead of in my performance and in my soccer and in my career, the shift was going to be, I'm going to land that anchor in something that doesn't change. And everything else in my life, it felt like is changing. But the one that won't change is God and his love. So now I'm not earning that anymore. But my deepest identity and security is there. And I realized if I'm alive for another day, it's the grace of God. If I'm in my right mind, it's the grace of God. I had to learn how to drive again because my system was so sensitive. I couldn't even handle the stimulation for a year. You know, so I had to relearn just how to drive. I had to chart over the course of a year, just being able to celebrate, I can now walk 15 minutes instead of just five without my heart escalating and the rapid heartbeat. So I had looking back at that progress, because when you're in a long-term recovery, you don't feel like you're taking steps forward. So it was important to chart that progress and look, no, I have taken some steps forward. And then a key for me was the battle between my ears because my thoughts, and because of this drug, the most terrible thoughts, sometimes crazy thoughts, but also destructive thoughts, even suicidal thoughts would come in and you can't control that first thought. That first thought comes in, you can't stop it from coming in, but you can decide I'm not gonna believe it, harbor it, embrace it. And I had to reject so many first thoughts and then choose a second thought that was intentional, something good, something true, something noble, something positive. And there was, instead of on the field, trying to save these balls from going in the net, instead I'm trying to save my thought life, keep my mind out of the ditch, out of despair, and then keep taking out the junk and then putting in the stuff that's true and right. And just even memorizing, writing down different things. Some of them were Bible verses. And so I would be thinking about, because what's happening in between your ears, the battle of the mind is so real that that's going to shape everything else in your life. And I had to guard that space like I was guarding a soccer net. 
That's so awesome. And what a cool way to like visualize. I'm such a visual learner and God actually speaks to me in vision too. So like when I'm talking to him, he'll show me pictures because he knows I'm going to retain it. Um, and he knows I'm going to uh, create and firm plant it within my heart as the next yes. step on the place to go. And um, I, I think that I specifically have a husband and brother-in-law who played soccer and are huge soccer fans. And so this is really going to resonate with them um, to have that sports analogy, um, but also also to realize that that mind game is no matter what your gender, again, back to whatever your cultural background, wherever you live in the world, everyone experiences this. And I love that you said you can't help that first initial thought, but you can control what happens afterwards. What's the next affirming thought that you're going to take hold of? Um, and I think a huge part of that, and I'd be curious to hear who was surrounding you at this point? You know, they say that you're the sum of the five people around you. But if you don't have those people that are willing to continue to point you into greatness, into success and call out in you the things that God has gifted you, it becomes really difficult to win the mental yes. battle and stay within the understanding of even what God calls you and says that you are. That's it. Great question. And Tamara, you know, people might think we've scripted this. We've talked nothing about how to walk through this. And you just yes. have a gift of making it relaxed, conversational, and then just like the natural next point in the journey. And, you know, habits, I believe, are very powerful, transformative, life-giving. And part of that mindset was a new habit, just writing 10 things down every day that I'm thankful for. And that, to have that on paper and write those 10 down, that was a habit that started to really change my mindset and change the way I viewed the world. And one person that came along, as you mentioned, who are those key people? Because when you have a healing journey, God works through people and the way they listen, the way they love, and his love is manifest through those quality friendships and those compassionate people that God brings at just the right time. And one of those uh, people in my life was Jeff, Jeff Johnson. And he was someone, and this was big for me. I referred earlier to my coping in life was try harder, do better, and focus more and really just crash through the next barrier. And, and that's how I made it. That was productive in many arenas, but it has a ceiling, it has limitations. And this was so massive and so long in terms of the duration that I couldn't just push my way through. There was no academic setting to do better, no sports. And so how would I make it through something like this? And I just realized I'm gonna have to learn something new because my semi-denial try harder approach was not going to work here. And I, the shift here was to let people in to what I'm going through. And Jeff was someone that I trusted. He was safe. He was loving. He was authentic. And I let him in. And who do we have in our lives who we can really be bare, be raw, and let them in to our deepest vulnerability, our loss, our grieving, our tears, our pain, cry with them. I mean, when's the last time we've cried with a friend? And Jeff was that person who, again, listened so well. Listening is a lost art. It is so valuable in relationships to listen with your heart and your mind and your ears, to really enter into someone else's shoes, to enter in emotionally, not just to find a quick solution, but to, to have that gift of presence. And then Jeff and I, you know, that connection, that friendship is one we still have, you know, years later in that bond. You don't forget the people you've suffered with. You don't forget the people who met you there in the hospital or met you there when you felt like things were hopeless and so grateful for Jeff. And uh, he entered in and that was a risk for me. Relationships are a risk. And for there to be healing and closeness, we're going to need to risk. And I, I risked with Jeff. 
letting him in. And Jeff, especially for that first year, was just like that guide who had done a little more life than I had, a little stronger in his faith than I was. And he just kept showing me a next step forward. And he didn't leave my side in, in that way. And, and I look back and I'll never forget that. I'm very grateful. That's incredible. And I think, you know, a lot of people lean into the whole mentor mentee experience and then coaching. I get to coach and and even that pastoral guidance. Right. And I think a lot of times it's like, how do I find that person, especially if you're isolated in an experience or a community or a lack of church or a lack of community? How do you how do you seek someone like that out? I'm curious what your advice would be for someone. You know, Jesus, before he chose the 12, he prayed all night. And so I think we need discernment. And who are those people we're going to bring in closest? Who are those three or those five? And then who's maybe next in the group of 12? And when you meet someone, you know, ask them some questions. Get a feel for it. Maybe you see them in a few different settings. Maybe you pray about Maybe take it a step at a time. Start with coffee, you know, and then invite them out. I mean, in one way, I initiated with Jeff because I went to church. And I just noticed who he was, you know, and, and from that, it's like, all right, what's the next step? And I think keep your eyes open. You're going to pick up on who that person really is. And that's my prayer a lot of times is God just show me who this person really is. And so I can just see and know. And then when you have someone, how do you know if this is a good fit or good match? Uh, First of all, a mentor might not mentor you in every part of your life. Like you might have someone who mentors you in Bible study or someone else who mentors you in parenting or someone else who mentors you in finances and someone else who mentors you, you know, in your thought life. And there's a whole range. So don't have to put all the pressure on one. Don't have to lock in to say we're going to meet every you know tuesday for three hours and like let's get it in the calendar you know take it a step at a time enjoy it when you find that person you're going to be growing it's going to be win-win uh they're going to be energized too i say come teachable when it's a mentor and then uh you're going to see that you're actually freed up to be yourself and kind of spread your wings and you just come more alive you have more energy and when you're around those kind of people then uh, I say I get closer to God, I get closer to them. I, I see things clear. I'm learning. I'm, you know, my purpose. And I think it is healthy to always have someone who's a mentor and someone that you're mentoring. And maybe you don't feel like you're at a level you can mentor, but yes, you can. I'm telling you, whether it's a child, whether it's a friend who's hurting, whether it's someone who's experienced something you've been through and look for those people. They're not always there hundred percent of the time. And sometimes there's a season of waiting, but be looking and then take that risk and take that initiative and that next step. I literally was going to say that exact thing in the knowing that there's different ways that we need to be sharpened and that one person's strength is another person's weakness. And so leaning in, whether it's through that mind, body, soul, spirit, I had therapists, I had pastors, I had friends, I had people who, you know, were entrepreneurs and authors and speakers and But more so importantly than anything, especially knowing that there was this massive mind game happening, mind war, and also identity crisis. And ultimately, I think when you think back to a lot of people's pitfalls or a lot of people's broken seasons or dark places, what was being shaken was their identity. It was something in regards to who you are and whose you are that was being Mm -hmm. stripped away from you. And that's why the mental game was happening is because you were taking on the belief pattern that the negative thing that was coming in was true. 
And yes. that's simply not the case. And we know this for every single son or daughter, every single child of God who is breathing life in this very moment. We know that they're called to more and that they are made for more and that their existence is beautiful and worthy and called. Yes. Um, and so I'm curious, as you you know, went past this mentorship experience, you went past this 10 year time frame. How did you step in from being an athlete and an achiever into this next season of personal development and wellness and leaning into who God? called you to be yes there was something jesus said that stuck with me during that whole time and he said that if you abide with him that's closeness reliance listening to him if you abide with him even when the storms come even though they're going to beat against your house and the streams rise and there's all kinds of trials going on he said if you abide with him your house will be like a house on the rock but if you just try to do it all in your own strength and you push him away and you you know reject his love and his grace and you house, it's going to end up being like a house on the sand. And I heard that and I thought, I want my house to be a house on the rock. I just don't want my house to break and smash because that's what it felt like my life was. And out of that, it's like, what, what would it look like, you know, to grow? What purpose, God, do you have for me? And having that foundation of a rock kind of freed me up to start to try some different things. And I say it's hard to steer a parked car. So don't just sit there and wait for everything to happen. But again, what's the next right thing? What's the next step? And I started to volunteer when I had the health. It was still a battle. You know, I, I tried to get a job, but I was so sick. I got sick three times. I couldn't work yet, you know, so I could only volunteer for a long stretch. And then I hit a point where I could go back to school. And going back to school, it was like I knew growing up, I never heard about God. I didn't know. People ask me questions about the Bible because they know I'm a Christian. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. So I went back to school thinking, all right, during that time, I can at least grow spiritually. <clears throat> I believe that you can grow spiritually in any setting. And it doesn't have to wait till you have the right job or till you're married till you think the right person or you have a great dating relationship or you're in the right city or any setting. And so those four years were so healing for me. Physically, I was still recovering. The people in the school, one guy called me Limp Biscuit, which is not the greatest compliment to the popular fan, <laughs> but it was like, I'm trying to give you a visual of you know, like how I was making it through school, learning about God, growing, and this desire to help other people kept growing. And when you've been through something, a lot of times you, you develop a passion in a burden, in a good sense of the word, to help people who are in a similar spot. And I started to think about people who had the same questions I did about God, who were pushed to the brink of their sanity, pushed to the brink physically. And where's the hope for them? Uh, who's going to who's gonna create a safe place where they can process life? Uh, how could I connect with them? And then share maybe content that would add value, not force anyone, but at least present some options that I never knew. If you're stuck in a mode of trying to perform for your identity, if you're stuck in a mode of just try harder, you know, you're stuck in the performance traps and sometimes the pace and patterns of the world. Like, is there another option? Is there something better? And I just wanted to, you know, grab that megaphone and say, there is, there really is. And, and even now, like I look at during the pandemic, we've had people take their lives, you know, and 48% of Americans say they feel hopeless during the pandemic. And hope is not just for a small sliver uh, of people. And it's not just for people who are desperate or just for people who have a really severe addiction. Hope is available for everyone. And we need hope. We need hope right now. It's got to be real. It's got to be authentic. It's not just a feeling that comes and goes. It's much deeper than that. 
And that's what I just started to love is when people on the inside start to experience real hope and healing and fullness and even their view of self, because we've been talking a little bit about view of self, that it's not deflated and it's not inflated. And you you see some people deflate, low self-esteem. They've been pushed down. They've been abused. They've been mistreated. They've been told mean things and they've kind of believed it. And they just feel like there's no empowerment. And I want to empower those people. And then there's others who have tasted a little too much success. The head's gotten a little big, a little too full of themselves. And it's like, ah, nice to talk to you. Um, you know, enough about me. What do you think about me? And, you know, it's just right back to them again. It's like, <laughs> could, could, could we talk about something else? And, and so those are traps that we all battle with every day. Like, I don't want to be inflated. I don't want to be deflated. How can I just walk in a way where I love people like I love myself? There's a there's a mutual. There's just a love that's healthy. There's a love from God. Uh, there's a there's a girl uh, and and she doesn't go to church, but she her mom just approached me this last week and saying my girl keeps talking about wanting to go to church. It's out of the blue, and she wants to talk about God. She wants to talk about Jesus. And it's like her little soul is just saying, like I want this love. I know there's a love out there, and I want this love. And we're not that different at every stage and age of life. Like we want to be secure in love. There's nothing greater than love, and that's what brings healing. I love that so much. And as you were talking, I'm thinking through that deflated versus inflated. And a lot of people will approach me around my confidence. And it's the conversation that like confidence and humility can coexist. They do coexist. Jesus exampled it. He walked in right to the battle. He walked right into the crowd. He walked right into the enemy's territory, right? Every single Mm -hmm. time. And so when we're allowing him to be the one who's right in front of us, rather than ourselves being the line leader, like we so eagerly want to do when we're young or we're trying to be the captain of the team or we want to be the one on the top of the podium getting the first place medal, which for gymnastics was always my goal, right? And so it's this knowing that if we are staying as close to him, that the dust is on us, right? If you're thinking about that, it doesn't sound very glamorous. If I was walking anywhere and someone was in front of me and dust was flicking up on me, I'd be like, can you please just move a little bit to the right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're kind of in right. my way. I'll, I'll lead you, right? But to know that that's exactly where he calls us to be, not because of getting dirty, but because of the closeness that he will precede you into the situation that you can be confident because he's there already and he's already mm-hmm. paved a way for you to exist. Whether it's speaking, whether it's teaching, whether it's showing up in a specific setting or it's showing up in a specific uh, heart set, right? As he's exampled all of these things for us. So our confidence, if it's connected to him, we don't have to worry about, am I worthy of this? Am I called to this? He's already preceded you into that situation. So it equips you before you have to deflate yourself to say, I'm not good enough. Mm hmm. Wonderful. Yeah, that combination. See, there's a paradox, but how can you be humble and confident? How can you be humble and bold? And it all goes back to Jesus. You know, sometimes with speaking for me, it was something I hated until actually I started to follow Jesus. And then all of a sudden there was this ability or desire, but I've been doing it for a long time. And people sometimes come up and say, oh, well, you probably never get nervous. And I'm thinking, no, I feel nerves every single time. Right. You know? This podcast, like we prayed right before we started, it's like we're going to God. And that's so freeing when you can bring your weaknesses to God, you know, or uh, the Bible says that his power is made perfect in your weakness. And I can't tell you before I speak on the weekend, I'm just saying, God, please help me. I'm feeling I don't feel the life today. I don't feel like I've 
thought through this maybe as clearly or it's a little fuzzy or God, I'm just feeling low on energy. And, and I just bring that to him all the time. God, I'm feeling really nervous. I'm feeling scared right now. Please help. And that's so freeing in a relationship where you can just say, this is where I'm at. This is who I am. And then God has a way. And I think he gets the glory is the bottom line where he when we acknowledge, say, I need your help. And, and again, there's no shame in saying, God, I need your help. That is a wonderful position to be. There's no shame in seeing a counselor in, in getting help there. There's so many great resources. And so it's, it's not shame and guilt. We say, I need help. And that's the reality of our existence. Why deny it? We need God. We need each other. We need great mentors. We need information. We need all this. And then when you're free and you're comfortable in that, because you know you're secure and loved, you're not scrapping and trying to manufacture an identity. You've got an identity. You know whose you are and who you are, like you said. Then that asking, that receiving, and that fullness comes. And, and you feel this closeness with God. When you are empty and he fills you, you are feeling unloved. And then um, his, his compassion and closeness come in. You're feeling hopeless. His hope starts to swell up. You can feel this isn't just religion or rituals this this is not rules this is a relationship with a living god and and that's when life's at its best i love that you have said so many times during this podcast and utilize the the joy if you guys aren't watching this live and you're listening he just when he says this specific word his his whole face lights up mm -hmm. and he, he almost opens you're like opening your arms as you say the word freedom, that it was so freeing, that it was so freeing, you kept saying, everything back to soccer, everything back to your identity and that performing and that rock building versus sand building, there was freedom in those places on that firm foundation. I'm curious, as you had all of those different um, belief systems around you, you were clearly positioned into those relationships. And so as you came to emerge in your faith and that freedom, what did the people who didn't share that perspective, um, what did they say to you? How did those relationships shift? And have mm -hmm. you seen healing and freedom in those people since? Yeah, great question. Again, uh, freedom, when I was growing up, I thought you can just do whatever you want, when you want, how much you want. You know, and I got my driver's license or, you know, your drinking age and you think I got freedom. But freedom isn't just indulging in whatever is going to satisfy me in the moment. Like there's more life in serving. There's more life in like seeing other people's lives enhanced. And so freedom, I think, is really being able to discern sometimes right from wrong, sometimes what's truly living and then step into that. And with that freedom, not everyone's going to celebrate it. Uh, when you say, wow, I'm excited about my faith. Even when you say faith, a lot of people have scars. My heart goes out to a lot of people who have had an experience of religion and there's been, uh, maybe it's been malicious or hypocrisy. It's been dead. It's been mean, judgmental. So when you say faith or Jesus or God, and you try to describe some of this for some people, that's a trigger word because of their experience in church. And so for a lot of people, it's a new thing to separate my bad experience from a God who's still good. And, and that's huge that the experience I had, that's not what God wanted. In fact, Jesus was harshest with religious people that had hypocrisy and he called them out. So Jesus is with you as you recognize that, that that's off base. He's still with you. 
And that ability to separate that for a lot of people, maybe they've grown up and their parents have a faith, but they haven't owned it. They haven't really stepped into it. And you can't live through someone else your whole life. This is a direct relationship with God. And as my relationship with God started to grow, as I ended up becoming a pastor as well, and it served in different places, I just realized with that, sometimes I am going to be misunderstood. Sometimes I am going to be criticized. I mean, if that's what happened to Jesus in many settings, that'll happen to his followers. But I've got to make sure I'm not doing something wrong. I got to check my heart. I'm not obnoxious or rude. There's not pride in there. Or if I've done 10% to contribute to the problem, then I need to own that 10%, 100%. So uh, I, I try to walk through it in that mindset. But yes, uh I love being with a wide range of people. I'm in Seattle now, been here the last five years. It's the second highest city in America, de-churched. You know, it's top 10 in terms of unchurched. And so trying to have conversations that are spiritual for people that come to church in Seattle, it's not like the Bible Belt, like in a lot of neighborhoods, like our neighborhood, maybe 5% of the people go to church. And so you're almost a little strange if you are, you know, liking God, talking about God, uh, <laughs> yeah. want to enjoy God. I mean, you're... You're borderline edgy at that point. But, but, but <laughs> hey, I, like that. I like edgy it. for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, you kind of stand out. Uh, well, he calls it, us to be a peculiar people for a reason. That's right. You, you know what doesn't exist as much in this part of the country? It's just kind of that nominal going through the motions. You just do it because it's the thing to do. You've always done it. It's just the culture you live in, you just go to church or it's good for business. Like, no, the people who come, like they usually have some courage, but I try to encourage them just not to be intimidated because whenever you're in the minority, it's always easy to shrink back, to maybe stuff your beliefs, be intimidated, be silent, not let your light shine. And so for a lot of followers of Jesus in this area, you know, no, just be yourself. Don't let people shut you down. Don't give people too much power. Just walk humbly, but walk, you know? And, and then in terms of the people around, we've been trying to be more creative. And in this culture, you really need to go to where people are, serve people, you know, give away food or, you know, build relationships. And, and so how can we go out beyond the walls of the church in an authentic way and then be creative, even with things like podcasts, media, you know, that's where people are. They're on their phones. And if you go to where people are, then you're going to meet them on their phones. And so let's not be ignorant or push away technology, but instead, how can we redeem it? How can relationships happen? And what's interesting is that some people, my preference is in person. I think that's the best. But there's some people they're finding out who actually are more vulnerable and open online. They feel safer. They feel safer to check out church. They feel safer to check out spiritual things. They feel safer on a Zoom call in the comfort of their own home. And they'll open up in ways that maybe they'll be more cautious in person. A lot of people around, but online, in small groups, one-on-one, -on -one, they're just pouring out their heart and souls. And, and that's what I'm seeing. I was on a Zoom call last night with some people. Two people last night on a Zoom call put their trust in Jesus for the first time. And, and you know, they just, they just said, one of them said, I can't even believe I'm doing this, but I totally am. I totally oh want to do this. And so, so it, it's pretty amazing what's happening these days. That's so incredible. I was just at um, the Sean Foyt uh, revival worship nights that he's been hosting around the country. Um, and Virginia Beach is his hometown. So it was cool to have him here. Uh, but, you know, he's been, I think, at this point to like 100 cities. 
And he's doing something peculiar. He's doing something against the rules. He's doing something that is bringing a lot of attention. And I think that people think that in order to be a Jesus freak or a Jesus lover, that we have to have like a Bible underneath our arms and show up to all of the places. But just as you said, when you went to that team um, practice or you were walking through the halls and roaming through the halls halls of your building or going to these parties at night, um, when Jesus is within you, you don't need to carry the Bible with you now. I think that the Bible serves an incredible, incredible resource for us. And it's a living, it's a living mechanism that speaks to me all the time. But I don't have to have it in my tangible hand for me to have it within my spirit and to be able to walk and discern and serve and love and be and and do so in maybe a crazy fashion. Like, I don't yeah. care at this point if people call me a Jesus freak, but <laughs> the people who were closest to me when I came to know the Lord were very uncomfortable with the fact that I leaned so heavily into my faith and exploring who God is and who I was through his lens um, to the point where that, you know, circle had to be shed and I had to pour into the people who, um, or I, I needed pouring into, honestly, I was yes. a broken and empty vessel. And so yes. I, sh- I shifted that circle. And as I've emerged and they've seen those things change within me, there's this intrigue and they always loved me, but now there's this intrigue and this light and this fire that's ignited. And so I'm believing and partnering with you that in your city, as those little embers, even those baby embers that are just like baby yes. Christian, right? That they go out and they get the joy to ignite other people based on the fact that they're just showing up in their fragility, in their vulnerability and saying, God is within me. And, and I, I believe in, I believe in Jesus Christ and, and they will see how incredibly impactful that will be. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but in the longevity of their life, because God never plants a seed if he doesn't intend for something beautiful to grow. That's right. You use the word embers, and I've been saying embers for the last six months because oh, yeah? during COVID, the isolation, and what happens in embers? I mean, the fire goes out if you stay isolated, but you bring the embers together, and then there's this fire and the love and fire of the Lord. And I think it's so healthy for people in terms of faith to break out of compartmentalizing. And COVID maybe accelerated this because when the church buildings were closed or there was restrictions, it's like, well, how am I going to walk with God? Even for some people, it's like, that's the only place I meet with God. And it's like, no, let's shatter that paradigm. It's where you live, work, learn, or play. It's a 24-7 relationship. Let's have homes where it's spiritually vibrant. Let's abide with Jesus. Let's learn, you know, whether we're at work or we're just, you know, at a kids soccer game or whatever setting it's like god's with you and i love you know in the old testament there's a temple and god dwells there in a special way but then as time progresses and god's plans revealed the temple is actually your body in god's presence dwells in you and so when god is there uh there is a light there there's a love there and it just shines through and you can't put restrictions on that. You can't stop what, what God wants to do in that sense. And so, That's yeah, so this good. has been a time that's been very unusual, but it's also, there's been a lot of growth, I think, and even acceleration. And for churches, there's been a lot of shifts too. Yeah, yeah. And I think just like you said a couple of minutes ago, is that like now the church has to come to the people. First off, that was its original calling. But what was happening is they were coming so closely enmeshed with this building concept with we are the church. And so we're going to stay together when, in fact, the openness of what the church was created to do is to be a safe harbor and a welcoming environment for everybody. And then after you're equipped, after you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're meant to go out. 
And yes. so I love that you guys are doing that as a church. And I think it's going to be even more grandiose as you continue to go into other nations, as we're also mm-hmm. called to do, hopefully get to take some people to Africa to show and showcase the things that you love so deeply about their, their beautiful land. And I know I want to go, we want to take our kiddos on a safari, but anytime we go somewhere, we also are looking for the mission field. Where can we yes. go that we can speak life um, and and showing our children, especially because we've witnessed it. But have they seen that break of that American gratitude? Like you were saying, like, let's create the understanding of of the entitlement that a lot of people have. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that that's something that just because we have freedom here, quote unquote, freedom under the flag, there's a yes. whole nother level to freedom when freedom exists with Jesus. And so that's what these people in other countries too need. Yes. And the hunger for God right now, it, I've never yeah. seen it like this. I've never seen so many doors open. I was just on a Zoom call before this, and it was in a country, Pakistan, where people are putting their trust in Christ over Zoom. And I think the technology just brings us together. So it's pretty amazing. It's pretty special right now. And uh, I don't think there's anything more rewarding than seeing people just discover that joy, that life, that relationship with God, to know they're loved. And for me, that's for everyone, every single person, child. Jesus said, bring the children to me. Don't hold the children back. I mean, children want, we see this all the time. Children are wanting to come to Jesus. And uh, and then sometimes their parents come next because they see their kids and the joy they have too. So, that was my yeah. story. That was my story for sure. And even my little, my little guy ran over to me the other day. He's about to be eight in a couple of days. And he was like, whispering because he was embarrassed that Grammy was standing there. And he told me that, um, I think I need to be baptized because I just, I just made a little sin and I don't want to, I don't want to have to do that again. And I was like, (laughs) okay, well, first off, what'd you do? And second off, um, that there's actually a huge conversation there. And I want you to understand what baptism is. And he had just, we had just been talking about baptism. And so I'm super excited to see as my children keep leaning in into the knowing of who God is, where always um, giving them exposure to God in a different way. Um, And I think obviously still going to church as well, but it's really about the, the caught, not taught. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's the living in it and the being in it, uh, but without the building, without the the rules and regulations, like we talked about at the very beginning. So um, I'm excited to see what your ministry does. And I think as people are listening to this and, and curious about these Zoom calls that you're on and the podcast that you're going to continue to be on and showcase, how can people get in touch with you and be a part of of everything that you are and, and continue to learn from you? Yeah, I'd love it if anyone wants to reach out my website that we just designed is jessebradley.org. And that's just an easy way to connect all the social media icons are there. Just click one of those. There's content on there. There's content about hope. And there's also seven, seven days that we've highlighted, seven different aspects of hope. It's a free course and you can just sign up, receive the content, video written. And that's an easy way to jump in and, and really just take a hold of the hope that's available to you. Oh, man, that's so good. I'm going to put that in the intro, too, so they hear it at the beginning and they hear it here, because I think that, at, of all things, people need hope um, on a consistent basis. Every single day when I wake up, I, I have to grasp hold of that hope, because uh, we can look around and we can see a lot of things that are hopeless, um, but we know that by God and through God, he brings all things back into alignment with who he is, and he is ultimately hope. So yes. I... I'm so grateful for that mission. I'm so grateful for that free resource for people. I hope they tap into it. And I'm excited to continue to be in community with you and know that you're on the West Coast, but you are bringing life over there as we were intended to do. We'll one day have to meet in the middle and see what that looks like. 
That sounds great. Tamara, I appreciate your style. And again, you have a heart to serve. I can just tell how much you love the people who watch, who listen, you care about them. And uh, just keep being authentic because God's light is shining through you. And uh, don't let any of the critics, I mean, there's been more criticism, I think, this last year than I've ever seen before. And just keep running the race. And for those who are listening today, I just want to encourage you that there's a hope with no limits. And uh, the things that Tamara's sharing today, just take those to heart, keep walking, and uh, you'll be amazed at what happens. Don't despise small steps or small beginnings because you'll look back and just be faithful in those small things. Receive God's grace in those small things. Receive his love. Let him, even the foundation, if it needs work, let God, his love become a foundation that's immovable, that's secure, that's solid, and your house will be a house on the rock. And uh, maybe just one last thought is, you know, I've been in the Bible, there's an exile and there's a parallel, I believe, because in exile, there's restrictions and frustration, isolation. We've tasted a lot of that. And God's call to the people after exile was to return. And I think that's return to him. You know, they returned also to the land and then they re-engaged and they rebuilt. And then not only did they rebuild, but then there was a revival. So you return to God. Let him rebuild your life and the pain and the destruction. And then it's not just that he's going to, okay, accomplish that, but he wants to bring a revival of hope and joy in our lives. And that's what he does. That's who God is. And that's his presence. That is so incredible. And I keep, you said, I said embers. Well, I keep saying revival. I believe that there's a mighty army rising and it's through the revival, through the leaning in and the vertical alignment that we're going to be able to horizontally impact the world. And so I'm grateful to link arms with you you guys. Go follow Jesse Bradley and Pastor Jesse Bradley. You've been amazing. I'm so grateful for your time and influence today on the podcast. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Tamara. Sure thing. Hey y'all, it's me again. I hope in today's episode, you sense and ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at fitandfaith underscore podcast or me personally at tamara.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time. This is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Ministry podcast. Learn how to share and defend your faith by listening to us weekly. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.